So today we can continue in our series on the book of Luke. For those of you listening, please note that our scripture is Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. So let's set the stage. At this point in the narrative, people have heard of Jesus. They have heard of this man who is ruffling the feathers of the Pharisees, who seems to speak with authority in the synagogue, who seems to be able to cast out evil spirits and has healed many. Many would have heard how Jesus stood at the synagogue and Nazareth and read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Many would have talked about how when he finished, he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in their hearing. You can bet that at every dinner table, every conversation on the road, whether in Galilee or Judea or in the countryside, people would be saying, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? So when you think about the crowd that gathered on the Sermon on the Plain, Sermon on the Plain, that's what the biblical scholars call it, not to, be cons not to be confused with the Sermon on the Mount. When we think about the crowd that gathered, some would know Jesus intimately, like the Twelve. Some would know Jesus kinda, like the community of disciples. And some would only have heard of Jesus and were probably there to figure out who this Jesus was. Knowing the makeup of the crowd, I love the fact that before Jesus even says anything, he demonstrates God's power by healing. He demonstrates God's power by casting out evil spirits. I don't know about you, but isn't it great when you see something with your own eyes? You don't hear it from somebody else or for somebody's grandmother's grandfather, some kid down the street. You see it with your own eyes. And all the crowd saw power coming from God, flowing through Jesus, healing and casting out evil spirits. It's really important to understand that everyone saw this so that when Jesus spoke, they would listen differently. Who was this man who spoke with power and authority? Maybe what he says is truth. In the following sermon, Jesus unpacks God's good news through a list of blessings and woes. It appears that in God's kingdom, things look very different than in the world they live in. Apparently, according to Jesus, in God's kingdom, the poor, the hungry, the weeping, the hated will be blessed 
and held in high esteem. And the rich, the well-fed, the laughing, and the admired will be in trouble. Of course, for most of the hearers on that day on the plane, this would have been good news for they're poor. For they are poor, they are forgotten, they are marginalized, they are prisoners, they are captives. It's good news. Maybe one day they will be blessed, for certainly they are not now. But for the rich in the crowd, these words of Jesus might have been troubling. They had wealth, they had power, they had prestige. What was Jesus trying to tell them? What was Jesus trying to say? Now we know elsewhere in scripture, we are told that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Please note, it's, it doesn't say it's impossible. It just says it's hard. Why is it hard? We all know that when we are self-sufficient, when we feel in control of our lives, when we want for nothing, it is easy to rely on ourselves. It is easy to think that we can live without God's help and we can do it on our own. When we don't have to trust God for our daily bread, we don't trust God for our daily bread. We all know, at least in our heads, that man cannot serve two masters. Man cannot serve both God and money. And yet, most of us, if we are really honest, know firsthand that our pursuit of wealth and privilege can distract us from God's call. And in fact, in some cases, can lead us directly away from God. Jesus' little sermon on the plain reminds us that God's ways are not the world's ways, his treasures are not the world's treasures, and he doesn't place importance on wealth and prestige. His kingdom is not like that of the world. However, it is important at this point for you to not misunderstand Jesus' words. He is not saying it is better to be poor and hungry than rich and well-fed. Okay? But he is saying to the poor, I see you. I see you. I know you. One day, you will be blessed. One day, you will be well-fed. One day you will be noticed, because for the poor, they weren't noticed. One day you will thrive. One day you will experience life in all its fullness. He is, however, saying something to the rich. He's saying, wake up and change your ways. I want to read you something from Eugene Peterson's The Message. These are the woes. But it's trouble ahead if you think you made it. When you have it all, and it's trouble ahead 
If you're satisfied with yourself, yourself will not satisfy for you long. And it's trouble ahead. If you think life is all fun and games, there's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. There is trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. In Jesus' brief sermon, he gives us a glimpse of what God's kingdom looks like. In God's kingdom, unlike the worldly kingdom, no one will be hungry. No one will be poor. No one will be persecuted, while others are well-fed, rich, laughing, and well-respected. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are praying that God will make his kingdom present here on earth. What does that look like? It looks like everybody enjoying all the resources. The rich of today, like the rich of Jesus' day, are told to wake up and smell the coffee. The rich must learn to put their trust in God wholly. But the rich must also learn to live differently and to be generous to their neighbors in need. When Jesus came, God's kingdom came. God is building his kingdom here on earth. Jesus began it. We must continue it. Through this passage, we get a glimpse of what his kingdom looks like. There should be no poor. There should be no hungry. There should be no forgotten. As Christians, we are called to further his kingdom here on earth. Woe to the rich who do not hear Christ's call to address the inequalities they see in their neighbors. As followers of Christ, we do not have the option of putting our head in the sand and pretending there are no inequalities in this world. We just have to look out at our neighbors, at our community, before we look at our globe. Wealth, food, education, medicine, the gap is huge between the rich and the poor. The passage calls us to begin to address the inequalities we see in our world. It's really important to remember Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance, not just in some future far off place, but now. We are called as Christians to continue the work Christ began, to address the inequalities he saw. In the book of Acts, the early church strived to do that to meet the needs of all those in their community. They took the call of Christ seriously. Now each of us is asked to help Christ's kingdom come, to address the inequalities we see 
in our own lives, in our community, in our country, and in the world. What would that look like for each one of us here? Well, first of all, for some of us, it's a radical change of thinking, a radical change of being. For others, it's simply doing more of what you're already doing. But what does it look like? Well, it can look different for everyone, but for example, it could mean buying groceries for a family once a week or once a month or a couple times a year. It could mean paying for dance lessons for that child in your neighborhood. It could mean gifting your car to someone or lending your car to someone on a regular basis. It can mean opening up your home or even your closet to someone in need. It might simply be paying someone's dental bill or someone's car insurance. It may mean offering childcare or tutoring or a home-cooked meal or a quiet conversation. You may look at organizations that begin to look at inequality. We think of the Ballantine Project. We think of women care. We think of places where you see there is inequality and we want to raise the level. We do not have the option as the rich of this world to ignore the poor. Woe to us if we do. As Jesus shows us so many times in the Gospel of Luke, pray before you act. So this is your homework for the week. Start by simply asking God to show you a gap he wants you to address. It might be in your home. It might be amongst your family or friends or community. It might be in the global community. But pray. Remember, we are Christ's body, Christ's hands, Christ's feet in this world. It is up to us to reflect Christ in our world, to show the poor, to show the hungry, to show the mournful, to show the forgotten, to show the marginalized, to show the persecuted that they are seen and loved. May God grant all of us wisdom and compassion as we seek to further his kingdom here on earth. Amen.